Chapter 6 The I Ams of the Living Word John chapter 8 verse 12 to chapter 11 verse 57 Chapter 14 verse 6 Chapter 15 verses 1 to 11 The first two great I Am statements have already been mentioned. I am the bread of life, chapter 6, verse 35, and I am the light of the world, chapter 8, verse 12. Now we will look at other great I am passages found in John's Gospel. A. I am, chapter 8, verse 58. Jesus claimed to be greater than Abraham because he is eternal. So, he used the covenant name revealed to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. I am who I am is Y-H-W-H in Hebrew and pronounced Yahweh. It is translated Lord using small capital letters in most English versions of the Bible. Lord was not an expression a Jew would ever use to speak of anyone but God. When Jesus used this phrase, he revealed four things. One, his oneness with God. Two, his eternal existence. Three, his covenant to deliver human beings from the power of sin. Four, his eternal ongoing life, and thus his power to give us eternal life. Again, the Jews wanted to stop his ministry. But Jesus slipped away and escaped. Chapter 8, verse 59. B. I am the light of the world. Chapter 8, verse 12. Chapter 9, verses 1 to 41. Jesus first declared, I am the light of the world, in chapter 8, verse 12. This was soon after the healing of the man on the Sabbath. He made this statement again chapter 9, verse 5, just before healing a blind man, chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. Jesus said sin did not cause this man's blindness, chapter 9, verse 3. Sin may cause sickness, but sickness is not proof of sin. The mud, chapter 9, verse 6, and the water from the pool, chapter 9, verse 7, are the methods of healing but they are only methods. Jesus didn't need them to heal. The healed man was questioned by his neighbours, chapter 9, verses 8 to 12, then by the Pharisees, chapter 9, verses 13 to 18, and finally by his parents, chapter 9, verses 19 to 23. In spite of doubting neighbours, unbelieving Pharisees and fearful parents, the man declared his faith. His words were a powerful testimony. One thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. The man showed great courage. The Pharisees had the power to keep him from participating in the religious life of his community. Chapter 9, verses 26 to 33. The phrase, they threw him out, chapter 9, verse 34, probably means they barred him from the temple services. This act caused Jesus to sympathise with the man, and he strengthened the man's faith. Chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Then the healed man worshipped Jesus. 
chapter 9, verse 38. One person is given sight, while another becomes blind. Chapter 9, verse 39. When Jesus told the man this, the Pharisees heard him too. They protested they surely were not blind. Jesus' next words did not bring them any comfort. Now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. Chapter 9, verse 41. See, I am the gate. Chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. In this passage, Jesus states there is only one gate or entrance to heaven. Those who offer other entrances are liars and thieves, even murderers. Chapter 10, verse 8 and 10. Middle Eastern shepherds often build sheep pens of brush or stones with no gate. The shepherd will build a fire near the entrance to keep away wild beasts. Then he lies down across the opening. In the same way, Christ is our gate to keep danger away and keep us safe. D. I am the Good Shepherd. Chapter 10, verses 11 to 42. Jesus served out of love, not for personal gain. Chapter 10, verses 11 to 15. His mission involved the whole world. Chapter 10, verse 16. The Jews moved back and forth between belief and disbelief. Some claimed Jesus was mad, while others were not so sure. Chapter 10, verses 19 to 21. Jesus said his own sheep will recognize him. If we do not belong to him, we are not familiar with his ways. Thus, false shepherds can mislead us. Chapter 10, verses 25 and 26. Jesus carefully protects his sheep so outside enemies will not harm them. Chapter 10, verse 27 to 29. Only our willful sinning can destroy our relationship with him. Chapter 10, verse 28. Again, Jesus claimed, I and the Father are one. Again, the Jews accused him of blasphemy. Chapter 10, verse 33. However, Jesus told them to look at his words to judge whether or not he was speaking the truth. Chapter 10, verses 37 and 38. Some Jews rejected him and tried to seize him, but once again he escaped. Chapter 10, verse 39. Yet many people believed and followed him. Chapter 10, verse 42. E. I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 11, verses 1 to 57. 1. The death of Lazarus. Chapter 11, verses 1 to 19. Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, were devoted followers of Jesus. Chapter 11, verses 1 to 3. When Jesus heard Lazarus was ill, he did not go at once to see him. Chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Yet it is clear he intended to do something. Chapter 11, verse 4, 11 and 14 to 15. The disciples were concerned that returning to Judea would put both Jesus, chapter 11, verses 7 and 8, and themselves, chapter 11, verse 16, in danger. 
Yet their devotion to Jesus compelled them to go with him, even if it meant their own deaths. 2. Martha's Faith Chapter 11, verses 20 to 27 Martha's faith progressed as we read this story. First, she believed Jesus could have prevented her brother's death. Chapter 11, verse 21 Then she believed in Jesus' relationship with the Father. Chapter 11, verse 22 Finally, she believed in the resurrection of the dead. Chapter 11, verses 24 to 27 3. Mary's Faith Chapter 11, verses 31 and 32 Mary also believed Jesus' presence when Lazarus was still alive would have made a difference. 4. A Weeping Lord Chapter 11, verses 33 to 35 Jesus was troubled by the sorrow of his friends. Chapter 11, verse 33 and was moved with compassion. He wept in sympathy with their deep sorrow. Chapter 11, verse 35. 5. Lazarus Raised. Chapter 11, verses 36 to 46. Lazarus's death was real. Chapter 11, verse 39. But the people took away the huge gravestone at Jesus' request. Chapter 11, verse 41. Jesus offered a prayer of thanksgiving. Chapter 11, verse 41 and 42. And then commanded Lazarus to come forth. Chapter 11, verse 43. Lazarus had to be helped out of his grave clothes. Chapter 11, verse 44. But it was different with Jesus at his resurrection. Chapter 20, verses 3 to 7. Many more people put their faith in Jesus. Chapter 11, verse 45. But some went to the Pharisees. Chapter 11, verse 46. And reported what they had seen. The religious leaders called a meeting to discuss what to do about Jesus. Chapter 11, verse 47. Here, they revealed one of their main reasons for trying to stop Jesus. Chapter 11, verse 48. Caiaphas, the high priest, unknowingly said a basic truth in God's plan for redeeming the world. It is better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. Chapter 11, verses 49 and 50. That is exactly what Jesus came to do. F. I am the way and the truth and the life. Chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. Note, chapters 12 and 13 were skipped to study the I Am passages. We will return to those chapters later. Jesus promised his disciples that his father's house had many rooms. Chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. He also promised he would return one day to take them to be with him. Chapter 14, verse 3. These promises caused Thomas's request. Chapter 14, verse 5. And this led to Jesus' statement, I am the way and the truth and the life. Chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus declared that knowing him is the way to eternal life. There is no other way. G. I am the vine. 
chapter 15, verses 1 to 11. This is the last great I am of John's Gospel. John pictured Jesus as the vine, God as the gardener, and we as the branches. Chapter 15, verse 1 and 5. Jesus revealed several things are necessary for having a healthy relationship with him. 1. Remaining in him. Chapter 15, verses 4, 5 and 7. This means we must seek and maintain a close relationship with him. 2. Pruning. Chapter 15, verse 2. If we produce good works, we must be freed from our tendencies to gratify our selfish desires. 3. Praying. Ask. Chapter 15, verse 7. When we remain in him, our prayers express our relationship with him and our prayers reflect Jesus' desires for the world, not our own. 4. Bearing much fruit. Chapter 15, verse 8. We must remain in him, allow him to prune us, and seek him in prayer. Then we will produce not a skimpy harvest, but one that is bountiful and constant. Chapter 7. The Teachings of the Living Word. John chapter 12 verse 1 to chapter 16 verse 33. In these chapters are some of the great teachings of Jesus, the living word. A. The anointing of Jesus. Chapter 12 verses 1 to 9. Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, took pure nard and poured it over Jesus' feet. She then wiped his feet with her hair. Chapter 12, verse 3. This was an unusual act for several reasons. Pure nard was an expensive perfume, worth a lot of money. Chapter 3, verse 12. In Bible times, only wealthy people could afford such luxury. When nard was used to anoint a person, it was usually poured on the head, not the feet. Also, Mary must have let her hair down to wipe Jesus' feet with it. This too was strange, as decent, moral women in Bible times did not wear their hair down. Finally, the act of washing feet was servant's work. Mary's act demonstrates her complete devotion and love for Jesus. Judas's complaint, chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, came from his greedy and dishonest heart. Chapter 12, verse 6. However, Mary's action was no waste. It was an act of lavish love. The miracle of raising Lazarus attracted as much attention as Jesus himself, the miracle worker. Chapter 12, verse 9. Now the Jewish religious leaders wanted to kill both Lazarus and Jesus. Chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. B. Jesus' triumphal entry. Chapter 12, verses 12 to 19. The Jews had three festivals in Jerusalem every year. This feast was the Passover, chapter 12, verse 12, held in March or April. Jews came to the city from all over the known world to celebrate the Passover. John emphasizes the triumph of Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. Chapter 12, verses 12 to 16 
See Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. The scriptures quoted here are from the Old Testament, chapter 12, verse 13 and 15. See Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. The Jews recognized these scriptures as referring to the coming Messiah. Note the praise to Jesus was spontaneous and had not been planned. C. Gentiles seek Jesus. Chapter 12, verses 20 to 22. Some Greeks who were in Jerusalem for the feast asked Philip to introduce them to Jesus. These Greeks were probably God-fearers. God-fearers were Gentiles who were attracted to Judaism because of its high moral standards. But they did not practice circumcision or participate in all the rituals of Judaism. John does not record Jesus' conversation with these Greeks. However, their coming to Jesus was important, as it showed how far his influence had reached. His crucifixion and resurrection would soon be observed by people from all over the known world. D. Dying to live. Chapter 12, verses 23 to 26. People in the Near East would have understood Jesus' example of wheat. Chapter 12, verse 24. The kernel of wheat represents Christ's death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. If we live only for today, we will lose what really matters, eternal life. Chapter 11, verse 25. But the person who follows and serves Jesus will receive eternal life. Chapter 11, verse 26. E. Lifted High on a Cross Chapter 12, verses 27 to 34 Jesus came to earth to be an example, a teacher, a healer, and a guide. But most important, he came to be our Saviour. Chapter 12, verses 27 to 33 The voice from heaven affirmed Jesus once again. Chapter 12, verse 28 Jesus again referred to the type of death he will suffer, being lifted high on a cross. When he is, all people everywhere will be drawn to him and salvation. Chapter 12, verse 32. It is important that on this occasion, Gentiles as well as Jews were present to hear him. Chapter 12, verse 34. F. The Blessing of Light. Chapter 12, verses 35 to 50. Light illuminates our path. Chapter 12, verse 35 and 46. And supports our faith. Chapter 12, verse 36. Rejected light brings blindness. Chapter 12, verses 37 to 40. And judgment. Chapter 12, verse 48. Even when light is accepted... Sometimes it shines very dimly and shamefully. Chapter 12, verses 42 and 43. Jesus calls us to believe not only in him, but also in God who sent him. If we believe in God, we should not be ashamed to say so. G. The Upper Room. Chapter 13, verses 1 to 38. 1. Washing the Disciples' Feet. Chapter 13, verses 4 to 16. When Jesus washed his disciples' feet, 
Peter objected. Chapter 13, verses 6 and 8. Peter probably felt he was not worthy of Jesus' humble act. Also, Peter probably thought Jesus should not do a servant's job. Jesus, however, told Peter it had a deeper meaning, chapter 13, verse 8, which Peter still did not understand, chapter 13, verses 9 and 10. Jesus' example, chapter 13, verses 14 and 15, shows us that true greatness comes from humble service, chapter 13, verses 13 and 16. As Christians, we should not glory in the position of power we may possess. Instead, we should use what power we possess to serve others. 2. The Betrayer Chapter 13, verses 10 and 11, 18 to 30 Once again, Jesus referred to the betrayal of Judas. Chapter 13, verses 10 and 11 See also chapter 6, verses 70 and 71, Chapter 17, verse 12. But Jesus washed the betrayer's feet anyway. Judas had hidden his evil and deceiving heart from the other disciples. Chapter 13, verse 22. They were not aware of Judas's vile heart and planned evil deed. Chapter 13, verses 28 and 29. But Jesus showed no bitterness or complaint towards his betrayer. Later, Jesus made clear the identity of the one who had been with him, but not of him. Chapter 13, verse 18, and 21 to 30. John ends this part of the story with the phrase, And it was night. Chapter 13, verse 30. Judas, in leaving the light of the world, went out into the dark. This implies eternal death and punishment. 3. The New Commandment Chapter 13, verses 31 to 38 After Judas left, Jesus spoke his most comforting words to his disciples on the last night of his life. When he compared the high value of love, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, to evil and hate, chapter 13, verses 26 and 27, love seems all the more attractive. These verses, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, are a high calling to all Christians everywhere. Jesus was not speaking just to his disciples at that time, but to every believer of every age. He calls us all to love one another and to be known by our love for others. This is how the world identifies us among all the conflicting half-truths they will hear. The world should see the love of God shining forth in all we say and do. Peter's appeal to Jesus to let him go with him, Jesus, brought a warning from the Master. Chapter 13, verses 36 to 38. Peter says he would lay down his life for Jesus. Chapter 13, verse 37. But Jesus knew Peter would disown or betray him before the night ended. Chapter 13, verse 38. See chapter 18, verses 15 to 18 and 25 to 27. H. Announcing the Holy Spirit. Chapter 14, verse 1 to chapter 16, verse 33. 1. 
The House with Many Rooms Chapter 14, verses 1 to 9 Jesus spoke words that would bring comfort to his disciples in the sadness and grief they would soon experience. He offered four promises. A. Room in heaven for everyone. Chapter 14, verse 2. B. Individual places for each one. Chapter 14, verse 2. C. His sure return to earth. Chapter 14, verse 3. D. Eternal fellowship with him. Chapter 14, verse 3. 2. Faith and works. Chapter 4, verses 10 to 14. Christ's miracles and deeds are sufficient reason to place our faith in him. Chapter 14, verses 10 and 11. And such faith will produce wondrous results in return. Chapter 14, verses 12 to 14. Jesus said, You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Chapter 14, verse 14. To pray in Jesus' name means to pray in accord with his will and character. This is not like a magic chant. It is a call to have a close relationship to God. When we live close to God, we will agree with his will. 3. The Counselor Chapter 14, verses 15 to 31. Here is the first of the great promises of the Holy Spirit in this part of John's Gospel. Christ stated plainly he will send another counsellor. Chapter 14, verse 16. This counsellor would come from the Father and thus would be another divine personality. Chapter 14, verse 16. This spirit of truth will remain with us forever. Chapter 14, verse 7. The Holy Spirit will share an inner closeness with those who know him. Chapter 14, verse 7. The triune nature of God, Father, Son and Spirit, is revealed in these verses. The Holy Spirit will be given to those who love and obey Christ. Chapter 14, verses 20 to 23. He will teach believers and will help them recall Christ's words and works. Chapter 14, verse 26. Christ then promised his peace. Chapter 14, verse 27. A peace that would completely fill their whole being. His peace would quiet their souls and calm their fears. Finally, he again reminded the disciples of his soon departure from earth. Chapter 14, verses 28 to 31. 4. My Friends Chapter 15, verses 11 to 25 Note, John chapter 15, verses 1 to 10 was discussed earlier, so we omit those verses now. In this section, Christ gave the basis for friendship. A. Sacrifice Chapter 15, verse 13 B. Obedience Chapter 15, verse 14 C. Service Chapter 15, verses 15 and 16. However, followers of Christ can expect unbelievers will reject and not understand them. Chapter 15, verses 18 to 25. This was also true for Christ. Chapter 15, verse 21. 5. The Ministry of the Counselor. 
chapter 16, verses 1 to 15. Jesus told the disciples why he had warned them about persecution to come. Those who do not know God will take every opportunity to persecute those who are believers. Chapter 16, verses 2 and 3. Jesus wanted his disciples, and us, to know that being his follower would not guarantee an easy life. In fact, it might produce just the opposite. Jesus' departure was necessary so the Counselor, Holy Spirit, might come. Chapter 16, verse 7. The Counselor will convict the world of guilt in regard, chapter 16, verses 8 to 11, to three things. A. Sin, chapter 16, verse 9. He will help us see the vileness of sin and need of a Saviour. B. Righteousness. Chapter 16, verse 10. He will help us understand the necessity of holiness and being Christ-like. C. Judgment. Chapter 16, verse 11. He will warn us about the final rewards and destinies of those who will not believe. The Spirit will also reveal the truths of the gospel the followers were not yet prepared to receive. Chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. 6. Sorrow turned to joy. Chapter 16, verses 16 to 33. When Jesus mentioned his departure, chapter 16, verses 16 to 18, Jesus also referred to his resurrection. He said he would see them after a little while, chapter 16, verse 17. The sadness they would soon experience would be temporary, like the pains of childbirth, Chapter 16, verses 20 to 22. Then the joy of the disciples would be complete. Chapter 16, verse 24. In plainer speech, chapter 16, verses 27 to 30, Jesus announced he had come from the Father and entered the world. Now he was leaving the world and going back to the Father. Chapter 16, verse 28. He also told them what sufferings his followers could expect. Chapter 16, verses 31 to 33. Then Jesus said, Take heart, I have overcome the world. Chapter 16, verse 33. Jesus assures us, though the battle is hard, victory is available for all. Chapter 8. The Prayer of the Living Word. John chapter 17 verses 1 to 26 We now read what many people believe is the greatest prayer ever recorded. It is commonly known as the High Priestly Prayer. The Bible refers to Jesus as a great high priest. See Hebrews chapter 4 verses 14 to 16. This prayer deserves careful study. A. Work completed. Chapter 17, verses 1 to 5. Jesus Christ is indeed the mediator between God and humanity. Only Jesus truly brings people and God together. He said the task of salvation was now complete. Chapter 17, verse 4. In his mind, Calvary, meaning his death, was an accomplished fact. B. Jesus' glory and joy. 
chapter 17, verses 6 to 16. In his prayer, Jesus presented his disciples as his glory and joy, chapter 17, verses 10 and 13. He revealed their spiritual life, chapter 17, verses 6 and 8, and their separation from the world, chapter 17, verse 9, 12 and 16. He prayed for their unity in him, chapter 17, verse 11, and victory over evil, chapter 17, verse 15. He prayed not they would be taken out of the world. Instead, he prayed they would be protected from the evil one, chapter 17, verse 15. C. Sanctify them, chapter 17, verses 17 to 19. Jesus prayed, Sanctify them by the truth, chapter 17, verse 17. He provides sanctification of the heart for all believers through obeying the word, which is the truth. This is part of what he had planned for his followers. Sanctify means to set apart for sacred use or to make holy. Jesus' followers will be made holy as they come to know the word of God. Jesus also sanctified himself, chapter 17, verse 19. He set himself apart to do God's will, which at this point meant death on the cross. This act would save all those who believe, and this act would also sanctify and consecrate believers to the service of God. D. Not for them alone. Chapter 17, verses 20 to 26. What Christ desired for his disciples, chapter 17, verse 12, he also prayed for everyone who will believe through the ages. Jesus said, My prayer is not for them alone, chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus prayed for the unity of his followers, chapter 17, verses 21 to 23. He prayed for the perfection of their hearts in love, the better to show forth his glory. Chapter 17, verse 24. Finally, he prayed that the Father's love will be in his followers. Chapter 17, verse 25 to 26. Chapter 9. The Trial and Crucifixion of the Living Word. John, chapter 18, verse 1 to chapter 19, verse 42. A. The Arrest, chapter 18, verses 1 to 14. Jesus and his disciples cross the Kidron Valley to the Garden of Gethsemane, chapter 18, verse 1. John doesn't mention the agony in the garden. See Matthew, chapter 26, verses 36 to 45. John only says this was a favourite spot for prayer. Jesus had often met there with his disciples. Chapter 18, verse 2. Judas, chapter 18, verse 3, came to the garden for the final act of betrayal. Chapter 18, verses 3 to 5. Christ's courage, chapter 18, verses 4, 5, and 8, took the soldiers and officials by surprise. Chapter 18, verses 3 and 6. Peter's act of physical bravery, chapter 18, verse 10, Luke chapter 22, verses 49 to 51, 
brought an immediate rebuke from Jesus. Once again, Peter and the disciples did not fully grasp what Christ had been trying to tell them. Jesus healed the man's wound, Luke chapter 22, verse 51. Jesus then reminded Peter his suffering was part of his task and purpose on earth, chapter 18, verse 11. The soldiers and officials bound Jesus and took him to Annas and Caiaphas, chapter 18, verses 12 to 14. Earlier, Caiaphas had urged the death of one rather than a whole nation, chapter 11, verse 50. B. The Trial, chapter 18, verses 15 to 40. 1. Peter's Denial chapter 18, verses 15 to 27. Peter's denial is a chief feature of John's account and a heartbreaking part of the entire incident. Peter's earlier bravery, chapter 13, verse 37, chapter 18, verse 10, now vanished. He was with Jesus because his companion, perhaps John himself, knew the high priest, chapter 18, verse 16. Peter denied Jesus, chapter 18, verse 17, just as Jesus had said he would, chapter 13, verse 38. The questioning of Jesus was illegal, chapter 18, verse 19. Those accused of crimes were not required to prove their innocence. Instead, witnesses should have been brought to testify to Jesus' guilt. The official who struck Jesus also acted illegally, chapter 18, verse 22, as beating prisoners was not permitted. The word for struck indicates a blow with the open hand, such as a slap, chapter 18, verse 22. After this, Peter denied he knew Jesus twice more, chapter 18, verse 25 and 27. After his third denial, a rooster began to crow. Matthew tells us when Peter heard the rooster crow, he went outside and wept bitterly. Matthew chapter 26, verse 75. Peter sincerely repented. 2. Before Pilate, chapter 18, verses 26 to 40. To avoid ceremonial uncleanness, chapter 18, verse 28, before the Passover, the religious leaders did not enter Pilate's palace. Instead, Pilate came out to them, chapter 18, verse 29. Note how these religious leaders carefully kept the rules of ritual or ceremonial cleanness. At the same time, they demanded an unfair trial that mocked justice. Since the Jews did not have the power to grant death sentences, they asked Pilate to condemn Jesus. Chapter 18, verse 31. The kingdom of God does not need defending by soldiers. Chapter 18, verse 36. In answer to Pilate, Jesus told him he had come into the world to testify to the truth. Chapter 18, verse 37. Pilate, though spiritually blind, desired to release Jesus, whose wisdom was beyond him. Chapter 18, verse 38. But the plan for Jesus' release failed. Chapter 18, verses 39 and 40. The people demanded that Barabbas be released instead. 
chapter 18, verse 40. Barabbas was a rebel and a murderer, Luke chapter 23, verse 19. Probably he was one of many Jews who rebelled against the Romans in control of Israel at that time. C. The Mockery Chapter 19, verses 1 to 16 Pilate had Jesus flogged or whipped by soldiers. Chapter 19, verse 1 Then they mocked, chapter 19, verse 2, and struck him, chapter 19, verse 3. Flogging was done to punish prisoners, who were usually then freed. The prisoner was stripped to the waist and tied to a flogging post. The severity of the flogging depended on the type of whip used. The worst kind had bits of metal pushed into strips of leather. The metal would tear up the flesh of the person being flogged. Pilate then brought Jesus back outside the palace to the Jews. Stirred up by the religious leaders, the crowd called for Jesus' crucifixion, even though Pilate said he was innocent. Chapter 19, verse 6. Pilate became more confused. Chapter 19, verses 7 to 9. He hesitated and looked for a way of retreat. Chapter 19, verses 10 to 12. Yet the cries for crucifixion were loud and insistent. Chapter 19, verses 6 and 15. Pilate finally yielded and handed Jesus over to be crucified. Chapter 19, verse 16. D. The Crucifixion. Chapter 19, verses 17 to 42. The place of the skull, or Golgotha, chapter 19, verse 7, was a hill outside the city of Jerusalem. John records the presence of two others on the crosses beside Jesus, but John makes no mention they were thieves or their conversation with Jesus. See Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. A sign stating the crime for which a criminal was crucified was often attached to the cross. On Jesus' cross, the sign declared he was King of the Jews, chapter 19, verse 19. This was written in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek, chapter 19, verse 20. Unaware, Pilate gave testimony to everyone who passed by that Jesus was truly the king. Jesus' undergarment was seamless and had no value if divided. Chapter 19, verses 23 and 24. This fulfilled the scripture from Psalms about his robe or garment. Psalm 22, chapter 18. John gives special mention to the women at the cross. Chapter 19, verse 25. Perhaps John wrote this because Jesus asked him to take care of his mother. Chapter 19, verses 26 and 27. While the other disciples fled, Matthew chapter 26, verse 56, these women remained true supporters, even in this time of suffering. Jesus accepted a simple drink, chapter 19, verses 28 to 30, as his thirst became intense. This is not the same drink offered in Mark chapter 15, verse 23, that was wine mixed with myrrh. This wine had a numbing effect on people. Wine vinegar, chapter 19, verse 29, 
see Mark chapter 15 verse 36, was generally drunk by soldiers and common people. Hyssop, chapter 19 verse 29, is a plant used in purification ceremonies. The soldiers broke the legs of the two thieves to hasten their death. Chapter 19, verses 31 and 32. But the soldiers found Jesus was dead already and did not break his legs. Chapter 19, verse 33. The blood and water that came from Jesus' side indicated the soldier had pierced Jesus' heart. Chapter 19, verse 34. This ensured Jesus was really dead and not just in a deep coma. Scripture again was fulfilled, as not one of his bones was broken. Psalm 34, verse 20. E. The Burial. Chapter 19, verses 38 to 42. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus were important people who were secret followers of Christ. Chapter 19, verses 38 and 39. Joseph requested Jesus' body and placed it in his, Joseph's, tomb with spices, myrrh and aloes, chapter 19, verse 40. Since the disciples had abandoned their master, Joseph and Nicodemus buried Jesus. Pilate's permission, chapter 19, verse 38, was granted only after the soldiers had reported to him those crucified were indeed dead, chapter 19, verse 33. Otherwise, family members might take down their relative or friends before they were dead and revive them. This is one more testimony to the reality of Jesus' death on the cross. Jewish burials were done soon after death, as bodies would decay quickly in the hot climate. The wrapping of the body, chapter 19, verse 40, would again testify to the actual death of Jesus, the 75 pounds of spices, chapter 19, verse 39, was a very large amount, such as would have been used in royal burials. Chapter 10. The Resurrection of the Living Word. John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 31. A. The Stone Removed. Chapter 20, verses 1 and 2. Mary Magdalene, was one of the women who had stayed with Jesus to the end. She was also one of the first to visit his burial place. Chapter 20, verse 1. Mark's Gospel tells us she was with two other women. Mark, chapter 16, verse 1. The we, in chapter 20, verse 2, seems to confirm she was not alone. b. Early Visitors Chapter 20, verses 3 to 10. In response to Mary's report, John and Peter ran to the tomb. Chapter 20, verse 2. The other disciple, the one Jesus loved, refers to John. John arrived first, but he hesitated to enter the tomb. Chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. Peter, however, went in. Chapter 20, verse 6. The burial cloth was neatly laid aside. The text does not tell us what John believed when he entered the tomb. Chapter 20, verse 8. But it seems likely he believed in Jesus' resurrection from the dead.
C. Mary and her Lord. Chapter 20, verses 11 to 18. Mary, the first visitor to the tomb, chapter 20, verse 1, stayed by the open grave and wept. She still did not realise Jesus had risen just as he had said he would. Instead, she thought only that the body had been taken away. Chapter 20, verse 15. Yet her search was rewarded when she discovered the risen Lord. Chapter 20, verse 16. D. Closed doors and open wounds. Chapter 20, verses 19 to 29. That same evening, Jesus' followers hid behind closed doors. Chapter 20, verse 19 because they feared for their own safety. Then the risen Christ appeared. At his first appearance to the larger group of disciples, he gave proof of the reality of his body, his wounds. He showed them his hands and side. Chapter 20, verse 20. He also gave them an urgent reminder of their new ministry. Chapter 20, verses 21 and 23. Jesus breathed on them. Chapter 20, verse 22. The breath of Christ was a symbol of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Thomas, who was not present this night, doubted the report when he heard the disciples had seen Jesus. Chapter 20, verses 24 and 25. A week later, Thomas was present when Jesus appeared again. Jesus gave Thomas a personal demonstration, the wounds in his hands and side, chapter 20, verses 26 and 27. Then the doubting disciple believed. Jesus always took time out to help the individual, yet he also used this event to impress the value of simple faith, chapter 20, verse 29. E. That we might believe. Chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. John clearly states he did not intend to write a complete record of Jesus' time on earth. Rather, he wrote a careful record sufficient to prove Christ's deity and provide reasons to believe in him. This testimony will bring eternal life to those who accept it as true. Chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Chapter 11. The final words of the living word. John chapter 21, verses 1 to 25. The gospel ends so naturally with chapter 20, verse 31, that many have thought chapter 21 was added later. This may be true. In any case, it is material John's gospel alone gives us. A. The empty net. Chapter 21, verses 1 to 3. After the resurrection, the disciples followed Peter back to their fishing nets in Galilee. Chapter 21, verses 1 to 3. Matthew wrote Jesus told them to return to Galilee and wait for him. Matthew chapter 28, verse 7, 10 and 16. John wrote Peter was determined to go out in the lake and fish, but after fishing all night, they caught nothing. Chapter 21, verse 3. B. 
The Full Net Chapter 21, verses 4 to 14 In the morning light, the disciples saw Jesus standing on the beach, watching them. But they did not know it was him. Chapter 21, verse 4 Jesus asked if they had caught any fish and received a negative answer. Chapter 21, verse 5 He instructed them to throw their nets out on the other side of the boat. Chapter 21, verse 6 They obeyed and caught so many fish they couldn't haul the nets aboard the boat. Chapter 21, verse 6 Only then did they realise who was standing on the beach. John was the first to speak up. Chapter 21, verse 7 But Peter was the first to respond. He wrapped his outer garment around him, jumped into the lake, and swam to shore. It seems curious Peter would put on clothing to swim, but it is possible he was simply acting with proper behaviour. The Jews regarded a greeting as a religious act that required a person to be fully clothed. On shore, the disciples sat down to breakfast with their Lord, chapter 21, verse 12. If any still doubted it was Jesus, they did not wish to say so. Chapter 21, verse 12. Their uncertainty was only natural. John had been there when Jesus died on the cross. Chapter 19, verses 26 to 30. They also had the testimony of the women at the cross. Chapter 19, verses 26 to 30. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus knew the certainty of Jesus' death, chapter 19, verses 38 to 42. Yet here he was, eating breakfast with some of the disciples, chapter 21, verse 13. See also Luke, chapter 24, verses 40 to 43. The act of eating was a sign to them Jesus was alive as they were, this was no ghost, but a man of flesh and blood. C. The Testing of Love Chapter 21, verses 15 to 17 Twice, Jesus asked Peter if he loved him. Chapter 21, verses 15 and 16 The phrase, more than these, chapter 21, verse 15, may refer to the other disciples. And twice Peter told Jesus he did. Yet Jesus asked a third time, Do you love me? Chapter 21, verse 17. This broke Peter's heart, and he responded he did indeed love Jesus. There are two Greek words used for love in this passage. In Jesus' first two questions, the word for love he used is the Greek word agape, Agape involved the entire person, including the will. Agape is a deliberate, intentional love. The word Peter responded with, phileo, all three times, is the same one Jesus used in the third question. This word, phileo, means natural devotion or fondness, in which emotion is greater than will. Much has been written about these two words, but it is uncertain if the use of the two words was intended by either Jesus or Peter. 
It seems Peter was unable to respond with the kind of love, agape, Jesus was asking of him. However, by using phileo in his third question, Jesus seems content with Peter's expression of love for him. Jesus then gave Peter the important commission of caring for his sheep, that is, his followers. Chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. The three questions probably reminded Peter of his triple denial. Chapter 18, verse 17, 25 and 27. The wording of Jesus would remind Peter of his rash promise. Matthew chapter 26, verse 33, John chapter 21, verses 15 to 17. In the Acts of the Apostles, we see Peter learn to show his love by strong deeds rather than strong words. D. The Testing of Obedience Chapter 21, verses 18 to 24 Jesus then told Peter his service to Christ would lead to his death for the gospel. Chapter 21, verse 18 Stretch out your hands was understood by the early church to have been a prophecy of crucifixion. Tradition tells us Peter was martyred by being crucified upside down. He was put to death by Roman authorities for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter did not turn away, even at this prediction of death, yet he was curious about the fate of the other disciples. Chapter 21, verses 20 and 21. When he asked Jesus about John, Jesus' answer, chapter 21, verse 18, was the same as, it's none of your business. This was a reminder that Christ deals fairly with each follower. We can't allow ourselves to start comparing our life here on earth with that of other believers. We are to follow Christ regardless of circumstances. Follow me, chapter 21, verse 19, is Christ's call to his disciples of every age. E. Many other things. Chapter 21, verse 25. We are told again John recorded only some of the sayings and deeds of Jesus. The total of Jesus' words and works during the three years of his earthly ministry was extremely great. However, we have been given all we need to know to lead us to eternal life. We simply must trust in and obey Jesus Christ, the living word. Methods of study. Have you enjoyed this study of John's gospel? Do you wish to study it further? If so, here are a few more suggestions for detailed study. 1. Mark all the names of Jesus you can find, especially those that emphasize his deity. 2. Make a further detailed study of the I Am passages. Link them up with all the Old Testament references to God as I Am. 3. Study in detail the promises of the Holy Spirit in chapters 14, 15 and 16. 4. Make a study of the High Priestly Prayer in chapter 17, especially in relationship to the matter of personal sanctification. 5. Look up all the references to servanthood and friends. Note the differences. 6. 
list and study all the passages in which Jesus commands men and women not to sin any longer. May the living word become even more of a power in your life as you study the Gospel of John.